The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we're about to embark on a journey like no other, diving deep into the enigmatic world of Michael Cameron. High Strangeness isn't just a title. It's the very essence of Michael's life, a tapestry woven with events that challenge our very understanding of reality. Picture the 1970s, streets alive with the sounds of children playing, the hum of daily life. But for Michael, these streets held secrets. While most of us hold memories of childhood games, Michael's mind is filled with chilling encounters, silver UFOs painting the skies and beings from realms beyond our comprehension. These weren't mere tales told by the fireside. They were profound, life-altering experiences. Can you fathom growing up with memories so vivid, so otherworldly, that they blur the lines of reality? For Michael, these weren't just fleeting dreams. They were tangible, lived experiences. From the shadowy figures of the men in black to the haunting presence of demonic entities, every chapter of Michael's life is a testament to the extraordinary. But this journey isn't just about the paranormal. It's a poignant reflection on the human experience. The trials of growing up, the weight of the unknown on a young mind, and the relentless quest for answers in a world teeming with mysteries. It's about the courage to confront the unknown, to seek the truth, and to carve out one's place in this vast universe. As we delve into chapters like Location is Key and The Haunting Gray Night of Trauma, we're not just listeners. We're explorers stepping into a realm where reality and the extraordinary intertwine. Every story, every revelation challenges our perceptions and invites us to question the world around us. So as we set forth on this captivating journey tonight, I urge you to keep an open mind. The universe is vast, filled with enigmas, and sometimes the most profound truths are hidden in the most unexpected corners. Stay with us. Michael Cameron is coming up next. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. Discover the Veritas Digest series on Amazon. Multiple volumes, each unveiling the truths they don't want you to know. It's more than just reading. It's an awakening. Secure your copies today. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, Simply click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now here's your host, Mel Hastelrick. The book is titled High Strangeness, A Lifetime of Alien and Paranormal Encounters. And directly from southwest of England in Somerset, I'd like to welcome Michael Cameron. Oh, Michael, and welcome to Veritas. Hello there. Yeah, thank you for having me on as a guest. It's my pleasure, Michael. And I mentioned to you that I just finished the book and 
I've been doing this for about 15 years now, and the majority of the people that I've interviewed who have been abducted usually have a positive experience. It's only a minority of the people that I talk to who have a negative perspective, and it's great to have somebody from the other side, too, because I'm in the middle. I don't believe that they're all benevolent or malevolent. There's good and bad in everywhere in the universe. So I want to know why it took so long for you to write the book, to put your story. And you said that, quote, writing the book was scary as hell. Let's go in chronological order from the very beginning. Well, um, I guess, you know, as I said, up to a point, I always knew that I would write a book about these type of experiences. It's just that whenever I tried to, you know, put pen to paper, so to speak, um, it wasn't the right time for me. It seemed like, um, you know, it was difficult to process the emotions and the the thoughts and the feelings that come up with, you know, with these type of experiences. So, and also, you know, life got in the way and it, it was just finding the right time really. And, you know, that, that time did eventually come along and, you know, Philip Mantle, my publisher from Flying Disc Press, you know, I was speaking to him over a period of time and told him, you know, I'm working on a book. And then, after a little while of getting to know him a little bit more and him getting to know me, he just said to me, you know, if you send me a synopsis, we can have a look at it. And, um, you know, I did. And he offered me a contract. And, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Philip is a good friend of ours. He was on the show a, a few days ago. And also you mentioned Malcolm Robinson, who was with me also a few days ago as well. Some great people yeah. from your neck of the woods. You've mentioned Indeed. having invisible friends during your childhood. But, but before I say that, let, let me just go back to the foreword of your book written by Paul Sinclair. He talks about the ridicule factor. This is something that a lot of people don't talk about. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it's taking, and correct me if I'm wrong, why it's taking so long. But growing, growing up in the 70s, just like I was as well, I think you and I are similar age, how was it growing yeah. up in the 70s when most of your friends were playing in the street, happy, when you were going through your own experiences and you probably didn't have that many people to talk to? Take us there. Well, you know, as when I grew up in London in, uh, during the 70s, as I say in my book, I, I was actually born into a strict Roman Catholic environment, an Irish community. So, you know, it was uh, it was quite difficult because on one hand I was, you know, seemingly, you know, just like anyone else on the surface. But behind the scenes, you know, it seemed like I was living two different separate lives. You know, the one that was engaged with, you know, the religious ceremonies of the church and, um, you know, and interacting with other children. And on the other hand, I was um, having these experiences with these, you know, otherworldly beings. But at the time, I didn't really think about it much as a child, that these experiences were, you know, I guess, different in some ways. I thought, you know, at one time, I thought everyone had these these type of experiences. You know, it wasn't until much later on, growing up, I mean, that, you know, my, my um, opinion on that changed. But it was, it was, you know, it was very, in, 
growing up myself, it was very isolating. It was very lonely. Um, uh, you know, and it is as an adult, you know, when you have these experiences, there's hardly anywhere to go with it. I mean, in my book, uh, uh, you know, I spoke about my doctor, you know, who who had tried to have me committed because of just something, you know, something which was, um, you know, had nothing to do with the alien side of things. And, you know, I often wonder if I would have told him what, what I was having on the other side of, uh, you know, the spectrum, he would have had me, you know, he would have thrown away the key. Well, I didn't have the experiences you had, but I grew up a Roman Catholic, five mm-hmm. male siblings, Catholic school, and I was always interested in all these topics, and I couldn't talk yeah. to anybody about it. And, it, you know, the few times I ever did, I was faced with ridicule. So I said to myself, no more. I'll just keep it to myself. And eventually, 30, 40 years later, maybe I'll start a radio show about it. But in the meantime, I have to just shut my mouth and keep researching. But in your case, you actually live in two, lived in two different worlds. The world of, you know, an Irish conservative community plus the paranormal one. It's almost like you had one foot in one world and another foot in another, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, I was I was very sensitive anyway. You know, I there was I was able, you know, I was I was quite easily able to, um, you know, pick up people's emotions. Um, you know, at one time, there was a time when I was tested at, um, for telekinetic abilities. When I was a child, I was able to move objects without touching them, and you know. Then I was taken to some place. I'm not sure where it was, but I was tested for, you know, ESP and um, other type of, um, I guess, psychic abilities. Um, and I, I don't know what happened to the information or where that went. Only that I, I do know that I went somewhere to be tested. I'm trying to remember somebody that I interviewed many, many years ago at the beginning of my program, Barry. And I'll find his last name momentarily. But he mentioned, very similar to you, that as a youngster, he could engage in telekinesis and, and other things. And obviously the ridicule and, 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 you know, the authorities came after him. Did you have that experience as well with maybe intelligence or government spooks going after you? Well, I'm a MyLab as well, which is a military abductee, you know, and I've been involved in various projects and programs that I've, you know, and I have fragmented memories of these, but I do talk about it every now and again on different podcasts little bits pieces of information um so if i but the funny thing is i've always had in, i've always had connections with with the military you know even in my life i've always come into contact with members of the military military intelligence or uh, you know the police so, so and when i was growing up my household you know my my dad was a freemason um, he was, you know, and most of his friends were um, from high-ranking members of the Roman Catholic Church. They would be high-ranking uh, members of the the police, uh, the Metropolitan Police, who were pretty much m- most of them were Freemasons, and m- most of his other friends were in the military. Very interesting. You mentioned the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican. How much do you That's think right. the Vatican knows about all of this? 
I'm pretty sure the Vatican are, are um, you know, keyed into all of this. I'm, I wouldn't be too well. I wouldn't be too surprised if you know they're um, one of those that are, you know, in some ways in charge of what goes on. Uh, you know, the, the Vatican have a lot of power, uh, much more than I think some people realise. Um, and you know, they're very aware of the, uh, you know, that otherworldly beings not only exist but they are interacting with us. And pretty, you know, there, there's plenty of records to, um, to validate this. By the way, the name of Barry is Barry King. If anybody does a search on our website, it's one of the first interviews we did. There are two interviews with Barry. He had a, an incredible story. But going back to the Vatican for a moment, I don't know if you ever saw the TV series V, the old one from the 80s and the most recent one in the 2000s. But I remember vividly seeing how the Catholic Church reacted initially to the quote-unquote, visitors. They were concerned that people were going to offer their devotion to the visitors when, in fact, it was the absolute opposite. People wanted to be more in commune with the Catholic Church. What's your take on that? I do remember the series, uh, the older series, but not the, uh, you know, the, the next one. Um, I think the church recently, you know, well, not recently, and I think over the last couple of years, they've, you know, the, the Pope has you know, said that they would welcome um, the, you know, the ETs and perhaps um, indoctrinate them into the Roman Catholic religion, uh, you know, which is quite um, arrogant. They've, they've quite, yeah, arrogant. Yeah. They've, you know, they seem to think that they may need to know this type of religion, but the, you know, the grades of, you know, the grades have pointed out many times to members of the intelligence community that they, you know, that they were the ones that created the Roman Catholic faith, and in fact, and possibly many other religions. As a control mechanism, you mean? Yeah, I would say so, you know, you know, without stepping on anyone's toes, you know, but right. for myself, my own opinion, I consider religion to be, um, a, you, know, a, um, you know, a mind-controlled program. And let's differentiate religion and organized man-made religion. Because I think those are two different things. I mean, I've always said, no offense to anybody. I grew up a Roman Catholic, as everybody knows. Mm. But to me, sure. organized religion is a toll booth on the path to enlightenment. Indeed, yes. So let's go in chronological order. I want to know, as early as possible, tell me about your first experience. I don't mean to sound as if I'm conducting a hypnotic regression here, but I want to just <laughs> grab as much as I can from your experiences. Well, my, you know, my, my initial experiences did occur, first of all, with, I would say, with the, you know, what my parents would consider to be invisible friends. But what I later on, um, you know, realized uh, was when I was doing research much later on, that I was having encounters which, with the classical Nordic type beings, um, you know, the tall blondes with um, athletic physiques, uh, quite you know, good looking, very tall. Um, I remember, you know, one time, as I describe in my book, you know, I was up in my bedroom and there was a, a male and a female that used to come to me. Sometimes they used to play games like follow the leader. They would often communicate with me. But as I explained in the book, I don't remember now what the what they were what they told me or what they spoke to me about. Um, I'm quite. I'm more of a visual person rather than an audio 
so I remember things more visually. Um, but I remember though they used to, you know, talk to me about you know different subjects as well. But on this particular occasion, I remember being in the bedroom and they were there and I was talking to them and they were talking to me. But again, you know, it was telepathically. I didn't realize at the time what the name was uh, for this, only that they they never, you know, opened their mouths. It was always, you know, it came into your head. Um, Although I was, you know, talking as I am now. Um, But... I remember my mum coming up the stairs, you know, I could hear her coming up the stairs. And I remember, as I describe in the book, I knew she at one time she was standing outside the door on the opposite side of the door, listening to whoever it was I was talking to, because I could hear her, her feet, her legs, you know, shuffling from one side to the other. And the, the floorboards were creaking below her feet. Um, and, you know, when she eventually she opened the door and came in, I turned my head away from my two friends and looked in her direction. And she was sort of looking at me like, like, you know, with a odd, uh, odd expression. And, you know, she asked me who I'd speaking to. And I just, you know, I said, my friends, my two friends. And then I turned away from her momentarily to address my friends and they were no longer there. Um, you know, and I was a little confused to where they'd gone because the windows were closed. and There was no way, out of the room but then you know my mum um you know she said to me I'm pretty sure you know they'll be back and with that she went back to whatever she was doing downstairs and left me to it but they never appeared again at that moment and you know I did have I had much I had more and more of these experiences with these two particular beings and uh, there was also another another one that used to appear every now and again, sometimes just appear and then vanish. And this was another male, but very much, you know, the same as them, always dressed in the same way. Um, you know, again, long blonde hair, piercing blue eyes. Um, and, um, and what I didn't tell my parents at the time, though, is that these were not children. These were adults, you know. And also another thing is they were much taller than the adults that I was, you know, um, familiar with in my, you know, my parents and in my surroundings, they were a lot taller. Um, so, you know, these were the first that I had, I seemed to have contact with, but, you know, I, I, as I explain in my book, I'm a little bit 50, 50 over whether these were good or not, because sometimes when I was when I had experiences with these, I would often go into an altered state of consciousness, you know, in a way disassociate her from my environment, you know, almost in the same manner as what the British investigative researcher Jenny Randalls, you know, uh, first coined the Oz factor, where the immediate environment around you suddenly vanishes and you sort of go into a, 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 almost like a, a vacuum where, um, you know, you're just one with whatever it is you're interacting with. Um, and then when I used to come out of these, the beings, you know, the, the one in particular that used to come to me and speak to me, he would be gone. And I was left feeling confused, disorientated. My heart was beating. Uh, I was afraid. I was frightened. And, I, you know, I needed to get away from where that was, you know. 
in that particular location. And I used to run down the stairs and run back to my mum. And, and I used to tell her or explain to her, you know, something had happened, you know. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.